Good afternoon, and welcome to the third episode of Startup CU Radio. Startup CU Radio brings a startup community to the Cal Lutheran campus. One hour a week, we will be interviewing experienced entrepreneurs with questions to help students creating their first business, as well as discussing important topics to the Conejo Valley startup ecosystem. This is Evan Brandt. I'm your co-host today. I'm a senior at CLU, president of Startup CLU, and founder of Family. Today, I'm here with my co-host, Sarah Metter, also a senior at CLU, and the founder of WeDo, Spencer Shulam. Spencer, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. All right, Spencer. So first question, um, can you tell us exactly what WeDo is for those of us who may not know? Yeah, yeah. So WeDo is an incredibly simple life manager, uh, really focused on students. So it helps them keep track of uh, groceries they need to buy or homework assignments they have, um, even habits they want to keep track of. So really anything in their life. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, like that seems like something that would be really useful for me because I forget to do things <laughs> all the time. For sure. Um, what kind of like inspired you to like do that, you know? Yeah, you know, I had a really stressful high school experience. Um, and, you know, when I went to college, I kind of looked backwards. And I said, you know, why was this period so stressful for me? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the answer was, it's just if you can just plan, right? And if you think about what stress is, if you think about what kind of causes it and how you can solve it, it's really just not knowing what's going to happen in the future and thinking pessimistically about it. Mm -hmm. So if we can give students the tools they need to succeed and plan and look towards their future, um, you can really eliminate a lot of that stress. Yeah, definitely. I I agree totally. Um, So have you always wanted to work on a startup or was this something that kind of just happened out of the blue? Um, I've always been really passionate about uh, creating things that help a lot of people. Um, and I think, you know, the best way to do that is to build something big and to grow something that, that can really make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been particularly a passion of mine. Um, you know, what we do is today and how it got here, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, that that, that wasn't a full ex- expectation of, of what <laughs> yeah. we started off with. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, just trying to create something that just impacts, you know, the most amount of people sort of. And totally. it, especially for you, it came from a personal experience. So yeah, I think that's really important. It's really hard to build a product just for yourself, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, the product that we've built has a lot of money behind it. So mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and unless you're a billionaire, like you're not going to be able to just build your own product just for yourself. So mm-hmm. it's kind of out of necessity. Yeah, totally. Um, one thing I love really talking about is like when you first started, you know, a startup, because not only is that like the most exciting time sometimes, but it's like, yeah. it's also where a lot of things are going on. Um, yeah. Can you talk about like when you very first started? I mean, I, I believe it started with a competition, correct? Yeah. So I was at my local city college um, and I think it was called Enterprise launch. I was just a judge there last mm-hmm. week. Um, and we were the first software company ever to win that competition. Oh, wow. Um, so it was a real big step forward for us. And mm-hmm. it was a real big, big step forward for the whole competition because mm-hmm. they had never, everything there was either fashion or, uh, you know, SMB or local yeah. or something like that. Uh, so for a software company to kind of come out of that program was, uh, you know, a pretty big deal for, for a lot of people. Yeah. I know Santa Barbara is often known for having pretty cool hardware stuff. Yeah. You guys have quite a few engineers up there. So, yeah. So yeah, no, so got some great forward. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I know one thing is like not many people start working on startups so young, especially, you know, for you, like you were, again, you said you were at a JC over there. Um, when you first started, like, did you feel unprepared? I mean, how did you learn to like run a company? Um, I mean, it's a great question. I think it's a really difficult one to answer because I think you have to go into it with the mindset that, 
um, you know, a lot of people don't know how to run a company and the people yeah. who do um, are way older than you. And, and mm-hmm. most people who start businesses have never done it before. Yeah. Uh, so it's really understanding that that it's okay not to know mm-hmm. um, and to find resources and find people who do know the answer um, and to leverage those people around you. Yeah, 100%. So having really good advisors and mentors is Absolutely. really crucial for you guys. Yeah, yeah <laughs> especially for your sanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, so then for you, so you guys won the competition, right? Mm-hmm. That was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, like right away, was it obvious, like, hey, we need to form a company around this thing? Or was, you know, was that a big decision for you guys? Yeah, I, I think we went into it with the idea that we wanted to start Mm. something and we wanted to build something so absolutely there was this uh, you know intuition to say you know we won this thing there's some validation here mm-hmm. um, let's see how far we can go let's mm. see where we can take this and let's yeah. see what it turns into yeah and you guys thought like a company would be the vehicle to do that essentially yeah, yeah. it's 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 a really great way to affect a lot of change yeah. um, I, I think there's very few circumstances where you can affect a lot of change without Um, without creating some type of business. Yeah, definitely. So do you feel that being such a young startup founder has played as an advantage to you or as a disadvantage? Because, you know, like a lot of times young people aren't taken seriously by, you know, like older people. So what would you say advantage or disadvantage? You know, it's it really depends on the person you're talking to. If you're talking to someone that isn't respecting you because of your age, mm-hmm. then they're probably not the right person to talk to with whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you have to just be mindful of it, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of pros and cons. You have, I was just talking to one of our investors and he said, you know, when we invested in you, you're 19 years old. We had no idea what you knew, what you didn't know, and what you're gonna be able to turn into. So when we made our bets on you, we made our bets on you. We didn't make it into the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to find people who understand that you're young, understand that you'll make mistakes yeah. um, and are willing to forgive you um, in, in without you having to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so do you have any co-founders or are you just the sole founder? I am the founder. You know, When I started the company, though, um, you know, there was someone very early on who started it with me um, to kind of help me get it up and running. You you know, I was the person who kind of came up with the idea and raised the first chunk of change. Um, so, you know, at an early stage, I think everyone on our team kind of became that co-founder. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important is to find those people who are willing to take that leap of faith into the business just like you are. Yeah. And um, by the end of the day, you know, it's my responsibility if it goes mm-hmm. up or down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's a big responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, okay. So you are, I mean, you're essentially, you're sole founder. You have a couple of guys, a team with you that's yeah. worked on it. Um, and I believe from talking, you're not technical, right? You don't have a technical background. You're kind of semi-technical now. Yeah. You know, I, I did some programming when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I think I have a really good understanding of coding and I think mm-hmm. I can communicate that well with a yeah. developer and vice versa. They can communicate their issues with me. Yeah. But as far as getting into the weeds and programming, I would not uh, put myself <laughs> on that bar. <laughs> yeah. No, hundred percent. That's been like my biggest thing too. Like I'm, again, I don't, I'm not a technical co-founder. Yeah. Um, it's been so crucial having a great technical co-founder, but yeah. like I think the most important thing throughout is just really me kind of learning how to understand and speak, you know, like not like the the specifics, but just understanding like time wise, um, you know, the very basics of, you know, what's happening, because that's such a crucial part of a technical startup. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Okay, cool. So um, one thing that I talk a lot with my members about is like 
this idea of having a co-founder and like what that relationship's like, yeah. um, some of the things, you know, going into it, what are things you have to look for. My relationship with my co-founder is like, again, is super crucial to my startup. Um, again, I mean, obviously I'm not technical, so I couldn't have done anything without him. Yeah. Um, but just like having someone there, you know, so you're not alone throughout this really difficult process yeah. um, is super important. And like having a relationship that you can count on that, you know, like you're not worried about things. You can really bounce ideas off each other, but you're not, you know, you're not agreeing to everything at the same time. And what would you tell young startup founders about having a co-founder, like trying to find the right co-founder? You know, do a lot of diligence with, you know, really get to know them and, and take the time to to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. it's it's really difficult when you say, okay, you have this ability, I have this ability, I want to get started, I want to start going, mm-hmm. and you just hop into bed with them. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people make that mistake because at the end of the day, you know, so much, it doesn't mean that they're going to be there forever. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be working with them for 20 years, but it does mean that you're going to have most of your life with that person, mm-hmm. right? Like you're working most yeah. <laughs> during the day. Yeah, for a limited time. It's, yeah. It's you and them. It's, yeah. it's just you guys. And yeah. I think it's really important to understand, like you have to really get along with this person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you don't have disagreements, yeah. but it means that you're able to respect each other. Yeah. Um, and you also have respect for what the other person's contributing to the team. Mm-hmm. And if that other person isn't in line with you, maybe you just don't consider them a co-founder. At, mm-hmm. a very, at the start of uh, what we're doing today, mm-hmm. there was a really close friend of mine that helped us program, yeah. but we gave him some equity, but it wasn't a respect of like, hey, you're our co-founder, you're mm-hmm. starting this with me. It was, mm-hmm. hey, we need your help. Yeah. Um, you know, Let's do this and just getting them on board. I think a lot of people feel like they have to make everyone a co-founder or yeah. bring everyone onto their team. Like their um, responsibility. Almost. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people don't want that. Mm-hmm. And then the other pool, you're kind of putting yourself in a tricky situation if that person doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. So. I think I think the idea of just expectations and laying those out super clear in the beginning yeah. is just so important. Like even though it's not what you want to do, especially when you you know you have this crazy idea, maybe you have some traction right away. It's really exciting times. Yeah. Maybe you get an early investment. It's like okay, well hold up. Like you put the reins on real quick and like really sit down and, you know, talk to each other, like, well, what are your goals? What's going to happen? Like, you know, if we have a tough decision, how's it going to play out? Just really laying out the expectation. To latch on to that, I would also Mm -hmm. ask, like, one of the things, this is kind of an introspective question, but, like, Mm -hmm. I always ask people, like, what's their ego? Mm -hmm. Where do you want to be recognized inside of this company? Some people, you might have competing egos. Two Mm -hmm. people might want to be the face of the company or be the person talking to investors, and that might not work out so well. Um, So it's important to understand what do they want in their life and what do you want in your life and Mm -hmm. can those two things exist together true like trying to have two Steve Jobs in one startup. Yeah, it's like, not going to work. This is not going to happen. Work. Yeah, for sure. Kind of along these lines, I mean, uh, as far as telling, um, you know, giving advice to young startup founders, um, as far as trying to find that right co-founder, you know, maybe it is a non-technical co-founder yeah. looking for someone technical. Um, I mean, would you, do you think it's more important to kind of emphasize like this ego you're talking about and traits of a co-founder or more like, should they be looking like, hey, I just need to find like the best technical person that I can find that's gonna like know a lot in this realm? Or do you think it's more important to emphasize trades and ego? Look, they, they have to be competent, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going, you can fill a room with 100 people that have no idea what they're doing and nothing's mm-hmm. going to get done. Yeah. Um, and so you have to find someone that has the competency that you're looking for, but that's 20% of the piece. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, you have to have that. Yeah. 
But the most important part is is that other part is is really because when we're this young and we're looking towards building something that we've never done before, they've mm-hmm. never done before. You have to find that person that's willing to sacrifice and work their butt off mm-hmm. to kind of figure out how they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, because they can look at you and say the same thing: you don't have any experience. You've <laughs> never done this before. Yeah. Why should I trust you to, to follow you? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so if they're a technical co-founder and you're saying like, you know, they don't really have that much experience, mm-hmm. they're going to say the same thing about you. Yeah. Um, so it's really finding that person that's at least competent enough to mm-hmm. start um, and then the rest is To get is MVP just, going. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a lot easier to learn, you know, hard technical skills rather than completely like reconstructing like your personality yeah. or ego or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Um, okay. Just kind of slightly sift, uh, shifting focus here. Um, we You mentioned it earlier, like you guys had a very interesting journey to where yeah. you guys are at now. And I think it's really important, like this idea of pivoting as well as just like figuring things out along the way and like really just trying to hone down on like that one value that you want to deliver and like that one customer you want to focus on. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about like what led you to where you guys are now? Um, Because I know it didn't always, you know, look exactly like this. Yeah. So we, we had the core philosophy that, you know, planning was incredibly difficult and we felt like we could make this a product uh, that would resonate with a lot of people, um, not just the productivity guru type people. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we released it, we were first kind of targeted mothers. We're like, okay, they have a lot of things going on in their life. Maybe For they'll sure. use it. Um, and then we looked at kind of small businesses. Hey, mm-hmm. they they have not just work, but also personal and all mm-hmm. of the things inside of there. So maybe mm-hmm. we can build something comprehensive for them. So, you know, we we kind of understood the problem we were solving, but we didn't quite know who we were targeting to start mm-hmm. off with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I don't think that's a bad thing. I think yeah. the, the bad part is when you have a solution with no problem. Mm. And so we had a problem with not knowing who the solution was for. Yeah, because a lot of people felt, you know, a very similar problem. So many people. Yeah. And so earlier last year, we kind of released this product um, kind of to everyone. Mm -hmm. And we said, okay, we think students might really love this, but this is a tremendously difficult demographic to focus on. It's hard to monetize off of them. It's hard to get their attention. It's hard to get engagement. And what we saw was just through the roof retention with them and Mm. the engagement with them and um, just the feedback we would get from students we would have, I uh, had an interview with a, a high school kid, um, mm-hmm. which is a little bit under, we're trying to focus on college, but yeah, I had yeah. an interview with a high school kid and she was like, I went home and I just started crying because I was just so excited that I was able to put everything into weed. It was just such a stress wow. reliever. Yeah. And so that was hyper validating to yeah. us about kind of who we needed to target with our product. Yeah. I mean, I think like you know, just solving that much for one person really oh. just speaks, you know, yeah. volumes. Like, like, yeah, you can have a goal of solving this for everyone, but just like, especially the fact that you got to meet this person, like that's just yeah. super rewarding, you know? Yeah, you want to have a product that's rewarding and I think it's easy to get a team behind you when it's something like that. Um, but I think more importantly, uh, you want to focus on a demographic who, if your product doesn't exist anymore for them, they're going to be crying, right? Like that's <laughs> that's yeah. how essential your product is into their life, and and we have we have that, which is great. Yeah, that's really amazing. So, where would you say like you guys are today with we do? Like, are you live and have you raised capital? Yeah, um, we've we've raised a little bit over a million dollars. Um, we're live on the App Store, the Mac Store. We have a web app. We're also live on Android. Mm-hmm. Um, we just released 3.0 just this past week, which we're really excited oh, about. Wow. 
Um, so yeah, so we're, we're, we're a little bit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Um, honestly, like doing all that kind of stuff at my age is like so crazy cause you know, like so busy with everything <laughs> and trying to figure everything out, you know, but, um, could you talk a little bit more about raising capital? Like how did you go about finding investors in deciding what kind of rounds to raise? Yeah, ra- raising money is, I guess the right word might be circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really dependent on the type of company you're, you're working on, uh, the, the type of growth, the type of investors around in your area. You might be in an area that only invests in XYZ type mm-hmm. of business, mm-hmm. um, and that's really difficult to raise money in. Um, or you might be in an area that really loves a certain type of person or a certain type of whatever, and, yeah. and that's really difficult. Um, um, so for us, when we were raising our first round, the way it was facilitated was we won this competition. One of the judges uh, happened to really like me, and she ended up kind of taking me under her wing and kind of helping me a bit with the pitch. And she was like, you know, I have this investor here in Santa Barbara. I think you should meet him. Um, and she was not comfortable introducing me yet. She kind of wanted mm-hmm. me to keep practicing with her. Yeah. And I ended up getting an introduction to him eventually, and he really liked me, and then that turned into more investors. And it was just an introduction through that guy um, that really started, or initially, I guess, through that girl, and then through that guy to Mm -hmm. every other investor. Um, so it's finding that one person that can be your cheerleader yeah. and, and really, really cheer That really you. believes in yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, believes in you, is willing to push you, tell all their friends about you. Because if they're an investor, they know other investors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the, the golden ticket is yeah. you, you might only have a few shots to find that, <laughs> find that first True. guy to love you. Yeah. yeah. So was for you guys, was the mentality kind of like, you know, you had like this momentum going, you won the competition. You had investors that really loved you guys. So you're like, hey, let's just, you know, we have momentum here. We have, you know, a start to a round. Let's just go ahead and raise this thing. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's a little bit blindsiding. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're moving so quickly and you're raising money and you're having meetings. Um, and, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's hard to have the perspective of looking back and kind of saying like you know did we raise too much did mm. we not raise enough timing you know, timing yeah. right and you know when you're in it and you have a lot of people who are very bullish about you, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's you want to just take that momentum and you yeah. want to keep going yeah. Um, so I, I it's validating uh, yeah. in a way, sort of. Yeah, it feels very <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like all these people want to give me money, so I must be I must, doing something. I yeah. must be onto something here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is not true, but yeah. it's <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it kind of just goes along the idea, like you know, when you can raise capital. Sometimes you should raise capital just because it's such a time suck. And like, if you can just oh, get yeah. something done and then get back to working, like you know, that's really the goal there. Yeah, you know, I was told recently by an investor that I really respect. Uh, he basically said the CEO's job is to constantly be telling the story of WeDo mm. uh, or whatever company yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're working on. And I think that was something that I never really thought about is, you know, the day-to-day working on the product, getting it out there. Uh, you know, that is really important, but that's kind of what your team's there for. Mm. Your your job as kind of the CEO and founder um, is really to start constantly be talking to investors, constantly be getting your name out there, mm-hmm. constantly doing things like this. Yeah, forming um, relationships. And, absolutely, yeah. and growing. So when you do raise money, you're not trying to raise money for like eight months. Mm. And you're like, I don't know anyone. No yeah. one really knows me. I didn't really go to any of the parties I got invited to. Yeah. You know, it's really important to kind of keep your social network going mm-hmm. um, because it's it's going to help you when you, when you need it. Yeah, and it, like, I feel like the other piece of that is just making sure 
that you have the right guys on the other side, you know, doing the building the product, you know, keeping things going so that you do have the time and you feel comfortable, you know, making those relationships. Absolutely. I know a few founders who have a really difficult time letting certain parts of the business go. Mm. Uh, And I'm almost in the other. I'm like, I want to hire someone so I don't have to deal with those types (laughs) of things. Um, And so I think, you know, you kind of have to understand that your job is very dynamic Mm -hmm. and things you love doing might not be the things you end up doing. Mm. Um, I would say 99% of my job is doing things I I really don't enjoy doing. Um, But it's very rewarding and I love that that one percent mm-hmm. and it keeps me excited mm-hmm. um but you have to understand like it's it's a lot of stuff you just don't want to do yeah <laughs> yep i i know the feeling for sure um okay so just going back to the investment a little bit i know yeah. that's like a super interesting topic to a lot of uh students and early founders you Absolutely. know that's just the thing to talk about um and i don't mean you have kind of discussed like these different um types of rounds you know yeah. and really the pros and cons um, I believe you guys raised a debt round to start off. We did a convertible now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, like, that was kind of, like, the thing to do. Like, yeah. really, like, we're kind of in the middle of a bit of a change right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are starting folks on, like, safe rounds. You know, YC, obviously, has been back in that for a Those little bit great. now. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you, so do you regret uh, raising a note? Would you recommend that to other startups? How would you go about that? Yeah. You know, if you're a first-time founder and you're trying to raise money, a, a safe in this area, mm-hmm. uh, not meaning not San Francisco, yeah. can be difficult because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know how it works for them or against them. Yeah. And you don't want to have an extra barrier to an investor of why they might pass. Mm. So for us, you know, we've done, I think, two convertible notes, not because we didn't know of safes or because we didn't think they were great. Mm -hmm. We do. But the investors that were in our pool, it was a sign of hesitation. Yeah. Um, And at the end of the day, uh, the differences between a safe and a convertible, there's a lot of like legal legal lingo that can be very helpful towards a founder. Mm -hmm. But there's also the practicality of the maturity date and the cap and the discount mm-hmm. that I'm going to overgeneralize here, but don't really matter that much mm. relative to getting your check. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, just yeah. The, the timeliness, like you keep talking about, you know what I mean? Like if it's just one more thing that's just going to delay, you know, closing that round, like, you know, sometimes it's not always worth it. Yeah. And it's it's a great, great thing, mm-hmm. but it, it can really add a level of resistance mm-hmm. um, if the fa- if the investors you're talking to have really either no idea or have mm-hmm. never done one before. Yeah. Um, and I, I personally don't think it's worth it unless you're you're meeting with the people who really get it. Yeah. Or maybe it's, you know, your second startup or totally. Uh, you, you know, if you can walk in founder, yeah. and you can like throw it on you're the like, table. This is the deal. This is, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, you yeah. give me the money. I give you this piece of paper. That's <laughs> yeah. how it works. Yeah. We all uh, would love to be in that yeah. situation. Maybe, maybe next time around, I'll, I'll be able to do something <laughs> yeah, like that. For sure. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So you, like you said, you, you raise a little bit over a million. Um, and then obviously you have quite a few different investors. I, I believe you have quite a few angels um, yeah. backing you guys. Um, do you kind of miss the days, you know, when you didn't have investors? I mean, for you guys, I guess you didn't have a very long period without investment. You yeah. guys are pretty quick. Um, but I just know, like, from from hearing other startups, like, you know, their experience changes pretty drastically after, you know, raising capital. They have a lot of people to account for. Um, so, I mean, are things different now? Like, do you, do you miss those times? 
You know, I, I kind of look at investors as as you would with relationships, right? Re- mm-hmm. Relationships should always be a positive. Mm-hmm. It should never be a time suck. It should never be, oh, God, I have to do this. <laughs> oh, uh, I have to email my yeah, investor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so if you're getting in bed with people um, that you're starting to resent or, or annoying or, or, or dragging the company down, then you pick the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, the investor should be someone that's able to open up doors for you and help you and be someone to talk to. And it should always be a positive to have investors in. Do you feel a sense of responsibility when someone gives you a check and you're like, wow, this is the most amount of money I've ever seen? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but you kind of have to ignore that and just kind of focus on they trust me to ask them questions, to uh, you know utilize their network, to utilize them as, a, as an experienced person. And I think that's really important to, to keep focusing on. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, just like, you know, picking your co-founders, picking your investors is really important. If you have, you know, like if you if you can choose your investor, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're in a situation you might not have a whole lot of power there. But again, like you said, you don't want to get in bed with someone that you're just going to regret having to deal with. Um, Yeah. I mean, what kind of things like should we be looking for in investors? I mean, are there like certain things that you would recommend, like traits or skills or experience that you should look for? Uh, I had I interviewed this one investor um, when we were raising our first round. And at the end, he he I think he texted one of our other investors and said, I felt like I was in like an interview process or something like that. I felt like I was trying to get a job. And absolutely, because you are, right? I'm mm-hmm. I'm taking your money and the money to you as an investor really should be insignificant for an angel round. And if it is, don't take their money because uh, they're going to call you every single day. Uh, I've turned down a lot of checks from people who I didn't feel like had enough, enough experience investing and, and might mm-hmm. be one of those people who came to me every single month and said, where's my money? Um, and that's not a comfortable position to be in. So you want to interview these people just as much as they're interviewing you. Ask them, what? how can you help me? What network do you have that can bring into this? What experience? do you have that you can teach me mm-hmm. and that's kind of the important part because if they can't really offer anything other than their check then for lack of a better word it's, it's dumb money and it's not really helpful mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to get that if you know they're not going to talk to you or deal with you right like if yeah. if they're completely hands off and they're like I have absolutely no idea what you guys are doing I cannot help you but I want to be part of this and I'm and I'm going to be hands off and here's a check sure but if you're trying to if someone's going to be a loud mouth in the company you want that person to be a good <laughs> a good person yeah <laughs> so what would you say your opinion is on the rise of crowdfunding or ICOs or you know like other alternatives to to um, traditional investing yeah there's a lot of stuff there's online stuff um, for like crowdfunding like seedinvest.com I think there's a lot of these types of angel lists for example they do these syndicates mm-hmm. there's a lot of new ways to raise money that are really incredible because if you don't have that network if you don't have that it, it's kind of democratize or decentralizing mm-hmm. Um, the ability to raise cash and who you can raise cash from. And I think that's really important. Yeah. But it has to be a business that does really well with those types of avenues. Mm. If you're doing a, if, if for example, if we went on Kickstarter or yeah. 
um, which is a good way to raise some money or a lot of money. Or if you went on some of these, you know, crowdfunding syndicates or something. Yeah. yeah, Something that's a little bit more official. um, It has to be a business that can be communicated over a video or over, Mm. you know, a a few paragraphs (laughs) um, and not all businesses rely on that. So if you're on Kickstarter and you're trying to do a software company, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, but if you're a hardware company, if you're someone like Tracker or Sonos and yeah, you're trying and to go on Kickstarter, it. yeah, and they can get something and you can hold something and you're trying to do pre-sales basically, mm-hmm. a tremendous outlet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. So you want to pick the, the place to raise money that works for your type of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be honest that like some of these places aren't going to work for you yeah. or give you enough cash or mm-hmm. something like that. And you have to really be mindful of, of what these, these yeah. deals are. I think, I think these new platforms are, I would say more of a benefit to investors because like these type of investors that are on these platforms are typically, you know, don't have access to these types of startups, especially this early on. Yeah. So for them, I think it's a huge benefit. You know, they're, they're gaining this access to, um, you know, a potentially huge returns. Um, yeah. But I think from the startup size, it's not as big of a benefit because they're missing out on all those things that you talked about, right? Where you have an investor that you can reach out to that has a, n- a network that Absolutely. has advice, experience. They miss out on that entire thing. It's just it's just a blank check. Kind yeah, of it. I've seen it been used in the respect of, you know, we have 500K committed from investors that we know that we trust and we want to fill up the round or get some extra cash from the crowdfunding places. That's a great way to use it. Um, If you're trying to solely rely on some of these crowdfunding places, it it might not be the best outlet as a first time founder, especially. Yeah, definitely. So um, what other startups are you excited about? Um, And what vertical do you think we'll start seeing more in like startups in? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about a lot of these bot type stuff. I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, I went through a breakup recently and mm-hmm. there was an app that's called Mend and it's a incredible app that basically runs you through every day. You kind of tell the type of breakup you have and <laughs> it'll give you like this one month, two month kind of sessions where it's kind of meditations every morning and kind of ask you questions um, and kind of give you this therapeutic insight onto maybe some questions you might be asking yourself or Mm -hmm. whatever it was. And it kind of leads you through it. And I mean, that's something that is so important to someone's health and their their ability to succeed in life. Yeah. Um, And having that as an app, as a product that I can download for free or pay per month. Mm -hmm. um, Those are the types of products I'm, I'm really excited about um, and I think that's that's really important <laughs> yeah that's super cool I've never heard of that before <laughs> yeah it's great but if you guys are going through a breakup I recommend yeah. checking it out <laughs> that's funny um, so um, there's lots of new advancements happening right now like in technology obviously with like artificial intelligence and yeah. stuff like that so what technology are you excited about right now or excited to see become more um integrated into our lives in the future. Yeah, so we we look at what we're doing. So one of the, the ambitions of what we're doing is predictive planning, right? So you add everything into your life, and at some point in the future, we'll be able to do the full time management planning part of your day for you um, without you having to spend time figuring out when you should do things, um, how long they're going to take you, and building that as 
the first proactive planning assistant mm. in a lot of ways, which is something that no one has done before mm. and is an incredibly challenging problem that I think we have some unique insight of, of solving. Yeah. Um, to me, that is one of the most single important things for us in the future is to build technology that genuinely helps people move forward with their life. And, mm -hmm. and as we move towards the era of automation and, and these lower income jobs kind of going away, we as a society are gonna be struggling trying to find some meaning in our life and mm -hmm. some consistency. Um, and I think having products that help us um, find some some comfort in moving forward and what you're doing and and how to get to where you want to go is going to be incredibly important. Yeah, I think so too. I, I love that idea of predictive planning. Yeah, you guys going. Um, I think from the outside in, you know, I, I always hear from uh, you know parents or other people that yeah. are kind of unfamiliar. Like they have this idea that AI or machine learning is like you know, going to take over. But I, yeah. I think in the short term, we're really going to see um, some really cool tools, you know, more of assisting us in day-to-day -day things, kind of like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we kind of look at, we do, a lot of people look at like, the, the computer as a bicycle for the mind, and we kind of look at what we're doing and, and the space that we're in. Mm. I won't take full credit for <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of where we're going, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's really kind of the car for the mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's moving us forward to where we don't have to think about um, so many things that our, our former generation really had to spend a lot of time doing. Mm -hmm. And focus on the important things. Absolutely. Now. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, I'd love to get just a little bit of kind of general advice from you. Um, as you know, I'm kind of like I'm the president of Startup CLU, and I have quite a few members that are you know very interested in starting startups. Yeah. Um, and I think you bring a very interest, interesting perspective. You know, being so young, you know, already being you know kind of five steps ahead of where some people are just starting out at least. You know, um, I mean, what type of things would you recommend someone who's you know preparing to kind of embark on this journey or has an idea and you know is thinking about starting a startup uh, well first I'll say like I don't think I've done anything I think I've started a lot of things um, and I, I I'm looking I'm optimistic towards those things turning into something positive uh, so you know I, I'll, I'll get comments like that where it's like oh you've done something it's like I haven't done anything I've basically blown through people's money uh, <laughs> that's about as much as I, I can say I've done um, Hopefully it turns into something great. I'm very optimistic. You know, <laughs> I'll put yeah. that out there. Um, but you know, your question is specifically, you know, what what kind of advice for for these kind of first time founders and and how to kind of get get forward. I mean, I, I would mm -hmm. say, um, you know, just be incredibly honest with yourself uh, of, of why you're starting the business. Um, you know, I think mm -hmm. if you're starting the business because you think this this thing that you're doing is gonna make you a lot of money, um, it's it's probably not, and it's yeah. probably going to fail, and you're not going to be that excited doing it. Um, I've never met someone who started a business for the reason of, I just wanted to make a ton of cash, and I really didn't know what I was doing or what this was, um, but I thought this could make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you have to every single day use your own product or love your product or 
um, you know, be the end consumer or whatever. It just find the joy out of what you're doing and say, well, I want to keep doing this and I want to do this uh, for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for example, I love user experience. I love product. And this was my outlet of creating a product that had incredible user experience, that had something that I cared a lot about. It just so happens to be a product that I can use in my own life and something mm-hmm. that I was incredibly passionate about. Um, but that doesn't negate that you need to find something that you just love doing. And just if being an entrepreneur allows you to do that, then great. Yeah. And if not, then, you know. <laughs> think about something else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So are there some other like specific resources you would also recommend for these students at all? Yeah, you know, one of my favorite podcasts right now as as it relates to this is called The Pitch. It's by Gimlet Media. Gimlet Media also has a podcast called Startup, which the first season is about this guy's journey of raising money and starting a startup. Mm. Um, there's a lot of lessons in there that I think a lot of people can learn from. The pitch is just a general, like, here's five minutes of this person pitching um, and kind of hearing an investor's response from that. And I think there's a lot of takeaways every single time you hear a no. Mm-hmm. And it's really great when you're not that person on the other side getting yeah. no. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of nice to listen to other people get that rejection and, and find out why. And, and realize why. Um, and those are kind of the two resources I would definitely start with. Yeah. Uh, and you'll, if that scares you, um, then <laughs> I might be a little canary in the, the mind there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Spencer, for being here on the show. And um, we wish you the best of luck with all <laughs> the stuff you're doing. <laughs> um, all right, Evan. Yeah, guys, just make sure you keep an eye out on what we do. Like, as a college student, I couldn't be more excited that someone's trying to help us out. Uh, you know, we go through a lot. You know, as someone who's super busy, like, just having, um, you know, like, that assistance there is, like, really comforting and, and pretty exciting for me. Um, so, yeah. So, guys, this was uh, episode three of Startup City Radio. I could not be more excited for episode four. So, make sure you guys keep tuning in every week.